Welcome to the PT Coffee Cast, a podcast helping coffee-infused clinicians elevate their practice by realizing the tools they already possess. going on guys welcome back to the pt coffee cast brought to you by the movement my name is dalton and alongside me today is my beautifully bearded friend william william how are we doing today doing good uh just came out of a triple threat (laughs) clients back to back to back the vortex so to speak yeah so you know feeling a little little ready to go right brain juice is flowing yeah got my third coffee so you're set I'm set. How about you? Sporting the workshop cold brew hat. That's right. Which is a throwback, bro. I haven't dabbled in the cold brew in a while. Yeah. Have you? No, but it's it's basically cold brew season coming up here. With the way the weather was last week. Different story, three coffees versus three cold brews. Bro, it hits different. Yeah, and it just brings back the memory. Like that hat. So let's go on. Let's have a little story time before we get this episode. Workshop cold brew shout out to them, um, Paul specifically, uh, was the owner of Workshop. When we, if you guys remember this, when we had the OG blend way back in the day, um, he was the one that created the the blend for us. It was his his roast, his beans, um, and he owned Workshop Cold Brew. And Will actually worked with him um, for like a, an event as well, um, slinging some cold brew. And uh, so there's a there's a little special place in our in our heart for for that hat. Good times, yeah. I miss those days. Sim- simple times. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know that that was one of the most fun. Like sometimes I'm like, you know, it'd be great if my life was just pouring coffees. <laughs> <laughs> we always did talk about if physio never worked <laughs> yeah, out, yeah, we'd open a coffee shop. Or maybe that's venture number two. You never know, man. We'll see. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into this episode, guys. Thanks so much for for tuning in. If you aren't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do so on all podcast platforms. Um, if you want to check us out on YouTube, our full length uh, video podcasts are up there, so you can scri- subscribe to the Movement PT's YouTube channel. And um, if you guys are interested in the mentorship, we did wrap up um, the applications for cohort one. That is underway as this episode goes. We're super stoked, mm-hmm. um, but we are more than likely going to have a second cohort probably sending off sometime in the fall of this year. Um, so if you do want to be notified or be, be aware of that, uh, make sure you click the link in the bio and uh, join the waitlist. And um, we also send out some emails um, just with like, some some of the content that we cover in the mentorship um, through that sign-up link. So if you guys are interested in our content and want to get a little bit more of a sense for what we cover in the mentorship, sign up for that wait list. Um, but today we got a good episode for you guys. Um, on our trusty whiteboard here, we have laid out what we're going to talk about. And we have four steps for an effective plan delivery in a time crunch. Yeah, this is a big... Uh big topic i think it's something that people really um commonly struggle with it's just like how do i especially if i don't have a ton of time in an initial assessment maybe i only have an hour maybe even less how do i like effectively give a plan that sets things in the right sets the boat in the right direction for sure um and the four things that we have on the board here um, that we're gonna kind of dive into but i'll lay them all out for you guys um you need their goal you need a three-step process. 
You need to practice confidently communicating what you do know about a prognosis and then a follow-up email. So those are kind of like four steps to developing and um, implementing an effective plan, um, especially in like a time crunch situation, which, you know, we have the benefit of having an hour to 75 minutes for our assessments, which is plenty of time. I mean, we could probably even do 90 minutes would be like, be maybe all time, but um, we know people don't have that much time. And part of like the feedback that we've gotten from, you know, people in our cohort right now for the mentorship, people that we mentor here specifically is a lot of the pressure that they have from a time perspective to, to deliver on all these things. So we thought that it would be cool to, to run through that with you guys. So why don't we start it off with need their goal? I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory, but yeah, I mean, so we always talk about like finding your clients. Why right at the start, what are, where are you trying to point your compass? Right. And I think that's something very simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. Hey, if my goal is to get back to CrossFit. That's the first thing that goes on the whiteboard right? Or or your sheet of paper or that you bring up, like whatever's going on and you put it at the end of the timeline. Hey, this is what we're aiming for, right? Or else it's, I mean, I I guess what that helps with is it helps the client know, okay, they know where I want to go. We're on the same page. Yeah. And that like to the third point about um, confidently communicating a prognosis, like that goal is super important to, um, having that conversation about prognosis, which is hard because of the uncertainty of rehab. Um, so I think, yeah, like diving into what that goal is, which is easy sometimes. And sometimes it's challenging, right? Because you got to help people maybe come to a goal. Um, a lot of times people might just be like, well, I want to be out of pain, which is, is fine. Like, I think you acknowledge that. And that is, is something that, you know, we want to respect and try and integrate into what we do. But we know as clinicians that that's not maybe the best focused goal um, to guide rehab, knowing all the factors that go into it. So diving into that a little deeper sometimes may be required, um, but it's super important. And why it's number one is it does set that like North star for, for everything else. That's why you have to spend time talking about that at the beginning, you know, like should be less clinical, like, you don't need to get through a ton of clinical stuff the, the first day, right? Like, but you do need to be on the same page, mm-hmm. right? Or else there's no point starting with stuff if you're not on the same page, right? You need to be on the same page first. You need to prioritize like getting that getting that goal set at the beginning of your session. So that when you come and you do the plan, it's ready to go. And you know where you're kind of, what plan, what's the plan for? Yeah, and I think before we head into the three-step process, maybe a little tip, um, like a tactical tip for those who are time crunched, right? If you don't have that much time for an assessment and you're having that goal conversation and it's not coming out right away, maybe you parking lot parking lot it for a little bit and you come back to it as you're working through some of the objective testing. Like you can still have conversation with your client as you go through it and ask them questions about their goals while you're moving through the objective portion of your assessment. So if it's not coming out right away, it's not smooth, don't panic. Keep it in your mind. See where else you can pull, up, pull it out of as you move through um, that, uh, that assessment. Need a three-step process. I feel like we love the threes, man, the three steps. <laughs> when I was looking back at the mentorship, like everything we have is like in groups of threes. It's simple. It's like four 
even though we're kind of hypocritical <laughs> I know, here. I know. We've got four steps, but just uh, just ignore that, you know? Yeah. But it just, it is an overwhelming, you know, it's not a lot. And I feel like it's enough, though. Like, it's not too little either to give a sense of, like, the process of, like, the like the whole process. Yeah, and I think this, this part, like, the three-step process changed the way I was able to communicate plans to clients. It was really a big game changer for me personally because the hardest thing for, for me as a clinician was the fact that there's so much stuff going on in the initial assessment. You're taking in so much information. You're trying to balance like processing what's happening, but also communicating it to the client. And then I always had so much difficulty taking all of that in my head and then putting it in a way that made sense to the client. And when we started implementing like our three-step process here, it really helped like put that kind of slow things down and put it in an easier way to deliver to the client and for myself to conceptualize um, what information was coming in. So our three-step process here um, and, you know, we definitely didn't create this. I'm sure other people use this. Part of it was like a little bit from like Greg Lehman stuff, like how he used things, but we have the calm it down phase, we have the build it up phase, and then we have the bridge the gap phase. And bridge the gap means between rehab and performance, and performance means whatever that client is trying to perform at their best at. So that could be trying to get back to running a marathon, that could be trying to get back to working as a garbage man, that could be trying to play with your kid on a Saturday. Um, performances, individual to the client. Um, but that is kind of the three-step process that we use here and implement um, with every one of our clients. And it doesn't have to necessarily be that same three-step. But the point is that you have a process that sort of serves as a template. It simplifies it for you and it simplifies it for the client so that you don't go in being like, I'm just going to write random stuff on like, you know, what we're going to do. It's like easier for them to visualize it as like a continuum you know, they're here and then they're going to get here by the end of the three steps. It's easier for you because you're like, okay, well, how are we going to calm this down? Okay, what are we going to be doing with the build it up, right? Versus like just kind of going from a free flow, you know, that might work if you have a ton of time, but like under a time crunch, like that's just not going to be effective. Even if you have a ton of time to have things just like free flowing all over the place doesn't communicate effectively to the client. Um, and that's the most important thing. And that's another thing the three-step process does is it helps um, communicate what their journey is going to look like in a concise, effective way. Mm-hmm. And usually what I try to do um, is, you know, have one or two things for each phase that we're going to work on. So like on the initial assessment, on the whiteboard, I'll lay out my beautiful whiteboard skills, right? with the three steps and then each step I will write like a couple things most most likely like two things that we'll focus on if they're in the calm it down phase we're going to focus on modifying movement and starting to add a little bit of loading through basic movement build it up phase we're going to talk about increasing load and then we're going to maybe talk about something that's specific towards like their goal. So if it's a runner, maybe it's like in this phase, we'll start the return to run program, right? And then the bridge, the gap, it's usually in that phase I'm talking about 
more sport specific job specific performance specific things where we're saying hey we're going to continue to always increase your load and challenge you but we're also going to start implementing some plyometric based training and loading here so we can build your tissues up to take on the tolerance for running and get you back to crushing it in your half marathon um just to give you guys a little bit of example of like maybe what you would touch on in those three kind of um phases exactly Three, are you ready for this? <laughs> Ask me when your shoulder pain is going to be better, Pi. Will, when is my shoulder pain going to be better? Dalton, your shoulder pain is going to be better. Okay, you ready? August 15th at 7 p.m. Nice, a day before my birthday. It's <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, that's the idea with this is like, no one knows. No one knows the exact timeline that a client's going to be better by, right? That's why this third step is practicing confidently communicating what things you do know about a prognosis, right? And we've had this conversation with a lot of our mentees where they're talking about, you know, struggling with like not knowing how much time to set an expectation for from a client. Yeah. And it's often like the money question. I always say that because clients will be like, so when do you think this is going to be like taken care of? Like, oh, well, that's the money question. It's like, well, I knew the exact date. I'd be a really rich man. Um, It's usually my joke. I don't know how funny it is. but (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's the hardest thing, right? And I think it's still something that I struggle with. But what I've realized coming back to like what we've already hit on is when you identify what their goal is and you've gotten to like a concise goal or concise enough you've laid out the three-step process and showed them what the journey is going to be like when it comes to then talking about how long these things are going to take they're very aware of what's going to be included and there i find that clients are more open to you being uncertain because it is uncertain and as long as you're communicating that um, clearly and concisely based off of where they are and then where they need to go most times people are going to be fine with that because they also know in their head that, oh, this has been going on for two years. There's no way it's going to get better in two days. They're not, they're, they're, they know that. So as long as you're communicating that to them, but, but showing them where the end goal is and what are some things they're going to be hitting along the way as markers of them moving forward, I think that is the more important thing when it comes to like, communicating a prognosis and then we know enough like okay tendons typically respond like this low back pain you know acute with no like ridiculous symptoms typically responds like this so you can give like hey most people we see with these types of injuries last you know anywhere between four to six months with us and I think based off what we're seeing today from you and your goals and where you're headed probably makes sense However, rehab isn't linear and sometimes we're going to maybe be a little bit quicker. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer, but we're going to always make sure that we're in good communication with one another. And that way, you know where you are along the process. It's giving them an idea of what to expect and what they want to see is likely more your clinical reasoning and a general idea. You know, like, hey, this is probably going to take more in the realm of runt. Uh, months uh, versus weeks you know you've had this issue for a while you've got more than one issue 
tendons typically take a little bit of time, right? Your goal is to be quite active, right? So, you know, we're going to have to be pushing things quite a bit, right? Generally speaking, three to six months is like a realm we can strive for together, you know, and, and all the things that you said. So you can communicate that confidently in a way that shows that you're considering like different factors without being like four months, October 24th, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think like what happens and what used to happen to me and I, from conversations that we continue to have with like clinicians is that this part gets rushed and we spend more time on gathering a bunch of information with a bunch of different tests. Now, it's not to say that we don't gather information and that we're not objectively assessing people we are, but this portion of making sure you get their why, making sure you uh, lay out the three-step process, making sure you communicate that um, what you do know confidently to the client, those three things should be where a lot of the time is spent and then you should be way more intentional with the objective testing that you're using on that initial assessment um, to pull information out that one you need to make sure that you're making the right clinical diagnosis and that you're ruling out anything that's sinister and then two and more importantly i think and more likely the case is what objective um assessment tools am I going to use to better drive this conversation with people is where I, where I go now. Right. Um, and then making sure that you take the time to have this conversation with the client before they walk out is key. It's like if I do a shoulder external rotation isometric and you can barely even push and they're like, I want to overhead squat 155 pounds. It's like, you can show them right there how much distance there is between those two things. And that's not to scare somebody. It's just to give them an idea of like, Hey, this is quite sensitive, right? You're pretty far away from that goal right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So help them have more realistic expectations, you know, about what the process is going to be like. Yeah. And I know we made that one reel where it was like (laughs) me it was it was like you doing a bunch of different like stuff to me fast forward like we're trying to show like maybe what a client might experience if you're just going super fast through tests but try to imagine this right like a client comes in with a problem that's keeping them from doing something that's very meaningful to them it may even have shifted their sense of self because now they're no longer participating in something that's super important to them they come in and then now they have let's say 45 minutes with you for initial assessment and you, you, you talk to them quickly, you say hello, whatever it is, and then you immediately get into like objectively assessing them. You go through as many different tests as you possibly can to try to get all this information. You're taking them in and out of the room, you're doing a bunch of different things, and then you bring them back into the room, and then you ramble on about like all the things that you just did because like you just, calc- you just brought in so much information and you're going pretty quickly because you feel the pressure that the session's gonna end soon. You gotta get right to your next client. You don't wanna be late for your next client. And then you're like telling them like, yep, you got shoulder pain. You're going to have to see you a couple times a week. We're going to have you come in um, and this is what we're going to work on. And then, all right, we'll see you later. And you walk them to the front. Like, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like, that's very much like what happens, I think, a lot of the times. And as a client, like that would be very uncertain 
for me, not knowing anything about injury or the human body, right? And so what we really try to emphasize to like our clinicians here and like in the mentorship and what we're telling you guys is like, slow it down. Having like a simple process helps you slow it down and gives you some a way to deliver it like simply and effectively. But take the time on what we just listed out one through three and prioritize that and then fit in your objective testing around those things so that it's very much delivered in an effective way. That's perfect. And I, I think that's, that's the thing. It's like so much more valuable to connect one thing to a plan, right? And for somebody to conceptualize that versus like eight different things that, you know, maybe have some crossover, but it's like super confusing, you know? Yeah, and then we'll get into number four. And the last thing to like put a button on this is the follow-up session, you have more time to objectively assess and gather more information, right? Like, it's not like that's just the last time you're going to be able to see them and get information on like how their knee pain is tolerating load. You have a whole another 30-minute, 45-minute, hour session, whatever you guys are doing to be able to get more information. But if you don't lay out the plan, communicate that confidently, show them how you're going to take them where they want to go, communicate how you're going to help them solve their problem, they're not going to come back for that next session. It doesn't matter. Right? They need to trust that the relationship is what they need. Yeah. Right? Because you you need to be collecting more data as you're going through the process, you know? And so if they're not, you know, on board for that process, then you're not going to get the opportunity to, to do it. All right. Number four. Simple. <laughs> Follow-up email. It's all simple, man. Right? <laughs> well, it, it is. It is. You know, I know. It, it's a different thing to execute, mm-hmm. but a follow-up email with a reiteration of the plan, or if you really didn't have enough time and you didn't get through the plan, at least you can deliver some of it in the follow-up email. Totally. You know, and I think that's kind of the way that you have to do it if, like, you've only got 45 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. That's write the follow-up, write the plan, tell them you're going to give them a follow-up with an idea of what the process is going to be like, that you can touch base with it again on the follow-up. Yeah, I think that follow-up email is huge. Um, and tactically, just to give you guys some some ways to do it, it's like have a have a template, like have a base template. Like what we have on ours is like what the plan is that they went with, a summary of what we talked about in the session, um, you know, how they can access the app to get their exercises, um, where they can call in to um, reschedule their um, their appointment if they need to, and then if they have any questions about billing, they can email the certain email, and then a positive like sign off, like hyping them up that we're super stoked to work with them. You can you can have a template of that ready to go, and then each client that comes in, you just personalize it for that client and deliver it to them. So. I know the follow-up email thing seems very overwhelming when you think about all the clients that you have, but when you set it up that way, it takes me no more than five minutes to send that email out. And I think that is such an impactful thing. And I, and I might be biased because, you know, I don't know, I might just be biased because we do it, but I think it's such a, a good touch to the client experience that it's one of those things that you are like, oh, everyone does that, but no one does it. And the thing is, is you probably won't get any feedback on that for most of the people that you send that email to. But then you will have someone, which just happened the other day in the in the front area of our place, um, bring it up 
about one of our clinicians sending that follow-up email and how much that meant to her um, to be able to like have that information. And then not only that, that we were willing to take the time to send something like that. And so that's probably the first time in like six months maybe I've heard feedback on that. But even if someone doesn't give you that feedback, you know that they're thinking about that when you send it to them. And it's and it's not only just to do it because it's like, oh, this is going to make someone feel good, but it's going to help with the client experience, going to help with delivering the plan, which is going to help with outcomes. Um, so I think that last little piece is such a nice way to wrap up all of those other steps that we just talked about. Quick summary. Quick summary. The four things that we do um, to deliver an effective plan in a time crunch or in any time um, is you need to identify their goal. We preach on that. If you guys want to get a little more info on how to get the why and the goal out of clients, check out our free ebook in the show notes. Um, need a three-step process. Our three-step process is calm it down, build it up, bridge the gap. Take that if you want, use it, create your own, whatever it may be. That helps to give them a framework and conceptualize all the information that you guys just went through. Practice confidently communicating what you do know about a prognosis. You can't give someone a specific date that their shoulder pain is going to end on August 17th at 10.30 p.m. However, you can um, lay out an idea of where they're going to be in the next couple months based off of one, their goal, two, the information you just gathered, and three, um, I don't have a third thing, so that that's just like <laughs> the two that I remember. And then last, send a follow-up email just summarizing what you guys talked about. Um, it's a nice touch. It's great for client experience, and it sums up everything that you did in that initial assessment, which is a lot. Sweet. That's all we got. You got a three-step process for ending this podcast? I do. <laughs> Step one. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the podcast on all podcast platforms, as well as subscribe to YouTube so you can see our beautiful faces on the video podcast. Number two, make sure if you want to join our mentorship in the next cohort, which is probably launching in September, um, you can sign up for that in the show notes to join our wait list. You'll get some information on that as we work through it. And then number three, um, that's all I got for today, guys. As always, stay caffeinated. Peace. <laughs>